We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome on in. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast for NFL Week 4. We are going to be breaking down every single game, all the fantasy angles, injury news, fantasy lineup questions, all that good stuff, and more. Let's start the show. Welcome on in. This is the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast for week four of the NFL season. We're, we're hurtling towards the, the quarter pole in the season already. And it's like, wow, this is uh, it. I say it every year, but my God, I can't believe it. it's flying by like this. Sunday marks October. I mean, my God, it's uh, it's moving. At it feels a like July pace. to me, John. And, I know. And I, I wish I had a time machine. Uh, to go back to July and get more Devin A chain uh, than than I have. I have uh, some, but not enough. Apparently, is it is that thing real about him being A chan now instead of A chain? Oh shoot! Yes, here I go. I, I'm. I don't know I'm how the I feel about that. The podcast. I don't either. Reminds I don't know me of if 4chan. I'm okay with it. I think no. you get one name change, uh, or sorry, uh, and I think he used it on the the Devon. Right. And uh, yeah, I A chan. That's just. That's not even a Camara, a Camara kind of thing where he's changing it to make it sound like a car. It's just, mm-hmm. uh, it's just harder and to, harder to say and less intuitive to read. So uh, I think I'm gonna keep calling him A Chain. That's a cooler name. You can make like uh, more memes out of that. I, I thought so. With chains. Too. Yeah. Yeah. M- moving them, moving those chains. I mean, it, the the or like gold the, chains, something. I don't know. Something. Oh yeah. For the live viewers, I'm a chain guy myself. Um, but me too. Of course, yeah, you're iced out. Um, let's get on. Let's uh, kick things off with the Thursday night game. We've got the Packers and the Lions. Uh, some fun statistics about this one coming out this week. This is the first time that the Lions have been favored in Lambeau Field when the Packers have had their starting quarterback healthy since 1986. Wow. Is that, uh, that Lynn Dickey, did they say, in the trivia thing? Um, got to be some I, some goober like that yeah uh so it's it's um not exactly good how jordan love has looked but if he, if he turns out to be like lynn dickey bad that'd be kind of um a little disappointing uh, I, feel, I feel like he's looked 
pretty solid that thus far. I mean, there, there's no promise that the Packers have found their, their next great quarterback and they don't have to worry about it for another 20 years or anything like that. But I feel like he's been solid. I, and, you know, we still haven't seen Christian Watson yet either, but That's, he is expected yeah. to play tonight. That'd be nice. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Love, he's he's really tough for me to figure out, even, you know, having a three games to watch. I feel like I haven't really really taken in a full game of him it feels like there's just so many weird stretches and in that saints game it was it was maybe the weirdest one of the three because he 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 seemed to be doing awful for like a really really and he kind of was i guess and the saints kind of kept letting him back in the game a little bit and then when he got let back in he looked pretty good or you know at least did some good things so that's something it's just you'd like to not see so many of the uh, the cold stretches in the first place because you're not always going to get, you know, third, fourth, fifth chances. So uh, I, I still don't know how to make a call on him. I feel like he he might still be settling in, kind of developing, even though he's been in the league all this time. He's like he's he, he's he's been putting in the work and practice, of course, and everything. But he, he hasn't had a chance to really, like, find his own rhythm on the nfl field until this year and uh it might be an ongoing process and uh you know i'd like to see him do well i would as well how do you think it stacks up for tonight with the with a short week against uh detroit it's pretty brutal the injury situation uh david bakhtiari's out again uh elton jenkins is out again uh looks like this this Zach Tom fellow is going to be playing hurt, which seems like he's not very good necessarily when he's healthy. So that's not great. Jair Alexander, that's in a different issue. I understand. Uh, anyway, I'm worried about the Packers, yeah, being in a kind of a difficult spot here with their offensive line the way it is. I don't really have a good sense of the Detroit. Like I haven't had a chance to look closely at guys like Josh Pascal and A. Hutchinson is doing great, obviously, but uh, it could be for a, for a Lambo game. And for against, you know, the Lions, it could be a kind of tough setup for Love just because you know, being down your two best offensive line starters is enough to, to deal with. And, uh, you know, there's other problems, too. No, there, there absolutely is. Um, and on the Detroit side, it looks like Dave Montgomery is, is going to be back in, in the fold. Um, so what does that do for you when, when it comes to Jameer Gibbs tonight? Well, it's not great. I still don't even understand what the Lions think they're doing exactly with Gibbs. Like even last week, you know, how do how do you only get one catch to him? Why are you giving him 17 carries and one catch? You should be giving him like 12 carries and four or five catches. And uh, I I know Ben Johnson's a good offensive coordinator, but he hasn't really, to me anyway, shown that he knows what he's doing with Gibbs. And that's crazy to me, given that they took him 11th overall. Something that I think made perfectly good sense a little pricey i guess but i thought it was okay because if you unleash jameer gibbs as an austin eckler type then it's worth it but if you're using him as almost exactly like deandre swift which you know a a backup that's that's just crazy i don't know what they think they're doing i don't know what they i don't know if there's a reason why they haven't done more with him yet but it's crazy and it's got to change and yet uh they you know that for it to change or for to think it's going to change it takes just like a leap of faith there's no actual evidence that they're going to do anything differently like for all i know uh with montgomery back they might give montgomery you know 16 carries and gibbs six and and still just like two catches for some reason so i don't know um it seems like to me it would be pretty easy to get gibbs going uh, he seems to me like he should be easily their more important player between him and montgomery 
and uh, they just don't seem to be at that point. I don't know. No, I, I see this continuing to be a frustrating thing for, for Gibbs managers. You can't quite justify sitting him, but you don't really feel good about, you know, starting him, whether it's your RB2 or your flex spot. Um, it's just probably RB2. Some people have RB1s, you know, third round or whatever. Yeah, that's Rough. true. Yeah. If it, yeah, if you went with that build and, and Gibbs is your RB1, like, especially in PPR where, where it would have made sense. Like I, I liked getting him more on DraftKings than I did on underdog yeah. at, at the price. It's like, how are you only going to get him one, one target or one catch? I mean, that did just, it doesn't make a lick of sense. It's like, they're actually just plugging him into just, you know, the, a role that they didn't uh, make for him. Like they just had a running back position thought, you know, let's just plug Gibbs in there and, just use him, you know, between the tackles or whatever. And I, I, I just don't get it. I, I, uh, I have to think it'll change soon. It's, it's, uh, I'm not, I'm not at the point where I'm worrying about Gibbs. I think Gibbs is very good. And no, it's a lion's problem. It's not a Gibbs problem. I, I think. Yeah. So I'm hoping he gets going, but I, I just don't know how to, you know, think it'll actually happen. It's more just a hope thing at this point. Right. So yeah, there, there's no real indication that, that we've seen that, that, the light will go on for, for Ben Johnson to deploy Gibbs properly. But I, I think what Johnson's done to this point, you, you, you feel like he will figure it out, but it, it, it is taking a frustrating uh, amount of time. Again, we, we are uh, into week four and, and uh, I got to give you some props here. Um, you, you're not the biggest victory lap guy in the world, but the, the Sam Laporta call looking pretty good. Uh, yeah, for what it's worth, I can't claim to have expected him to do quite this well. I, I guess that touchdown was kind of just, you know, goofy busted coverage. Uh, but he's really good. Yeah. And uh, it's if you've been listening to the podcast since February, whenever we first started talking about the tight ends, um, I, I went into the, the, the Laporta study, like dreading it. I, I hate watching Iowa uh even even like someone like Kittle you know it was hard to watch him play in the offense and then the offense got a lot worse uh with what's I don't even remember the quarterback's name but uh Laporta was playing on uh, there's something worse than all Madden there's something more difficult Uh, than all Madden is uh Spencer Petrus is that right I don't yeah it's so it was it was awful it was like all time uh, aside from like Rutgers Sitkowski era uh, this, this, uh, Iowa offense was one of the just worst you could ever see. And, uh, yeah, t- tougher than all Madden. And he was still really, really doing good. Then he tested really good. So seemed kind of easy to me. It's like when they produce really well, when they look that good, when they test that good, probably going to be good. But yeah, I didn't anticipate him playing 50 snaps a game right away. And specifically they're giving him a lot of blocking reps, which I would not have you know expected or, or, I wouldn't I wouldn't expect someone to want to get him blocking specifically, but it can't hurt that he's, you know, clearly trusted to do it. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where it's a tight end coming out of Iowa, almost like regardless of the size, he he probably knows how to wrestle probably uh, pretty good. And he's, at he wrestles uh, it, not, not as a blocker like Kittle, but after the catch, he's every bit as uh, psycho as Kittle is not as fast, but, you know, the. The, the tackle breaking is pretty crazy with Laporta, and he hasn't really, you know, shown that much of it yet, even. So we we, we might get treated to it a, a little bit tonight, depending on on uh, how frothy the uh, the Packers secondary is feeling. Uh, we got a couple questions here, and then we'll move on to, to Sunday. Uh, interesting one. 
better combo rest of the season, Jordan Love and Christian Watson or Justin Fields and DJ Moore? <laughs> uh, in a sane world, it would be Fields and Moore, but uh, the Bears, I don't know what you can say about them. It's It's pretty egregious. It's getting to the point where I don't know if really anyone can produce there, but it, it's, man, it's crazy. It, that, that last year, you know, they were using fields, I won't say correctly, but smarter than this year. And this year they have more receivers. It just doesn't make any sense. It's, it's so easy to fix. So for that reason, I'm kind of drawn toward fields and more. And yet I guess I have to admit they might have the lower floor of the two, which is just insane. I, I I would say fields and more, but I don't know. That might be bad advice. Yeah, it's it's impossible to feel good about about that one. Um, I, I think that there is, there is definitely like the higher floor going forward with with Love and Christian Watson. Now that now that Watson is back in the mix, um, let's see. And then, um, what would you do about the Saquon Barkley situation with, with him playing on, on Monday night? I feel like that this is one where. You know, despite the the whole Monday night wrinkle, we'll know by Saturday at the very least. You know what 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 direction things are trending in uh, when when it comes to Barkley. So hopefully we get some clarification on Saturday. But but if we don't, or if things are are looking dicey, then I, I think you you are probably going to have to to bench him. Yeah, I guess we would expect Burita to get the start again, but. I don't know what there is to do with that. It's better than a zero, I guess. But um, yeah, I, I am not expecting Barkley to play exactly on a high ankle sprain. No, that, that's too quick of a, a turnaround, in my opinion. And then uh, last one uh, for right now, uh, this week, Tyron Williams or Jameer Gibbs? <laughs> God, this is this is a torture question for me because the answer might be Kyron Williams, but it's just wrong. It's in, It's just it's unethical that the NFL would exist such that Kyron Williams gets a bigger numbers than Jameer Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs is 50 times the player that Kyron Williams is, but uh, if he's not going to be allowed to play for whatever reason, and uh, for whatever other reason, Kyron Williams won't be allowed to not play. Then uh, I guess I got to say, at least for right now, Aaron Williams, even though I don't think he's going to do a whole lot from scrimmage, it's just he's he's going to keep getting the you know six seven targets. He, yep, he, I think he played every single running back snap. Yeah, he's played like uh, every snap but three the last two weeks. That's he's. I will. Uh, I got to say, and I don't want this to be true, but if they keep making Williams play sixty plus snaps a week, he is going to get hurt. So keep that in mind. In my opinion, he he's like. Dollar store Najee Harris or something. And it's uh... he's he's he is the smallest and sl- or he's the he's like the fourth smallest running back and maybe like the, the fifth slowest. And when you do size adjusted speed, he is the worst one in the NFL right now. <laughs> uh good job, Rams. Uh that's that's that feels good. Um before we get on over to Sunday's action, uh, we'll, we'll go over to foggy London town. We've got a message from our friends over at Rival Fantasy. If you're looking for a place to play head-to-head football games, fantasy football games at that, uh, without the huge tournaments, salary caps, or complicated game types, then Rival Fantasy is where you want to play this NFL season. From a twist on a classic game with Fantasy Bingo, where players generate a lineup to complete achievements and get bingo, 
to head-to-head fantasy challenges where you'll pick which of two players will score more fantasy points. This is the best of fantasy sports for the 2023 NFL season. Rival Fantasy is offering new users a $200 deposit match plus a $25 first play voucher. Rival is so confident that you'll love the experience. They're giving you money to play right out of the gate. Experience the future of fantasy sports on Rival Fantasy and become a rival today. Mario, London games, they're happening. We're back. We're, we're back to getting up really early on Sunday. Um, but, you know, we get no, to we're not, enjoy. John. <laughs> we're, we're just missing the game. I I did that. Uh, with the Ravens played the Jaguars when I was in my mid-20s uh, London game. And I, I woke up from, from a night out, uh, saw that the Ravens were down by like three or four touchdowns in the first half, and was like, ah, I get to just roll back over and go to sleep. Yeah, it's, it's just uh... – I don't know. I don't. I think the the risk reward dictates you you keep sleeping and you don't get up for the game because if you win, it's like you know waking up to a present or something. And if they lose, you're like, well, at least I didn't wake up for that. It, see it, exactly. So the, uh, therein lies the the challenge facing all of us uh, the, this coming Sunday. But we've got the Falcons. Yeah, uh, I guess you you could say on the road against the Jaguars, given uh, the Jaguars. Kind of. Yeah. history over there um but we've got the jaguars as three-point favorites in this one that line is held steady over the course of the week over under uh 43 and a half uh, i did not do any digging into the the london game over unders but I, i'm pretty sure that the under is is usually uh what comes in uh when we play across the pond regardless jaguars I mean, they, they wiped out a lot of people in Survivor last week. These are two teams coming off of dud performances. I mean, it was, it was pretty dreadful what, what Atlanta put on display in Detroit yeah. last week. You would have figured that that, that matchup set up pretty nicely for, for them, but unable to get anything going. And the Jaguars, of course, uh, they got kind of <laughs> rocked by the Houston Texans. Yeah, yeah. Uh... Jaguars are not a well-run team right now. I hate to say it. I don't know if Doug has it in him to fix it. I don't know how much is specifically uh, owed to the play calling of Press Taylor versus kind of like, you know, the structure of the offense. I don't know if the if it's the system that's the problem or the play calling. It could kind of be both, but at the very least, the Jaguars on offense have a problem of just point blank being way too predictable. They don't have enough variation in the depths and uh like areas of the field that the routes are run by a given player Uh, so for instance they have evan ingram this is something i've been complaining about for i guess five years now with evan ingram uh so it wasn't always with doug but it includes doug's usage they they use him pretty much about five yards uh within the line of script within five yards of the line of scrimmage and I understand doing that when the defense is kind of giving you a cushion or if they're they're just kind of leaving that spot open for you or whatever. By all means, get Ingram the ball there if it's there. However, when Evan Ingram runs a 4-4-2-40, thus making him probably the uh, – yeah, Ridley was only like a 4-4-3. So technically, Evan Ingram tested faster than any other skill position player on the Jaguars roster, even including Travis Etienne. And – 
they'd never send Engram downfield or, you know, like one out of 20 routes, he'll go more than 10 yards downfield, which is just crazy. And when you have players that reliably go into certain areas of the field only and only at certain depths at certain paces, you as a defense can kind of do a thing where you're like, okay, I know. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't want to get beat deep by Ridley, but if he doesn't, you know, look deep after eight steps or whatever, I know I got two beats and they're going to get rid of the ball within those two beats. So I can start just kind of guessing like, you know, he, he's clearly not going to go this way. He only has so much room to this side or that. And I know that the ball's coming out in two, one. So I'm just, you know, clobbering him. And you're not seeing defenders like turning and running enough. You're not seeing guys um, getting caught off. You never see a defender like stopping in their tracks and ch- changing direction to go after someone. It's just like, they're just downhill all the time against the Jaguars and every every throw that Trevor Lawrence makes seems like it's going into like the teeth of the defense for some reason. Like it's just always a tight window throw and there's no reason for the Jaguars route runners to have that kind of issue getting separation. It just, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it is someone on the coaching staff's fault. And uh, you know, to me, it seems like there's, there should be some kind of easy fix, but I don't know if the Jaguars are going to, you know, make the fix. I don't know if they have it in them. So I, I hope so. It's, it's a, it's an egregious case through three weeks, honestly. No, they are getting so much less than the sum of their parts. I mean, even the, the week one game, even if the, the score might indicate something, it didn't feel like it was smooth sailing for, for this offense. And the, the last two weeks, especially last week, inexcusable. Um, to to really have that that level of play, and, and they were going against and, backup Texans corners too. Like Tavir Thomas and Derek Stingley were both out. So to not have Cal, they still have one good corner, uh, Stephen Nelson. But uh, what's his name? Shaq Griffin, who was on the Jaguars, it was bust free agent signing. It's like he was in that corner, and he was getting roasted. Like he was one of those guys in training camp where it's just like every time a Texans receiver is making a catch downfield, it's against Shaq Griffin. And like you can't get Calvin Ridley, you can't get Christian Kirk going against those guys. That's just that's a, that is the coach's fault. Uh, I, I think so too. Is that Press Taylor? The yeah, it's Press team? Taylor that they gave the play calling this year, and I don't know. I, I don't know what the system uh, gives him to work with. I don't think he changed the system. I think it's more or less like Doug Peterson's system. But it seems to me like there has to be a better sequencing. Uh, with these plays possible like the way Taylor's doing it uh, even if there's something with the system not giving him great you know leeway to 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 experiment or whatever he's being too repetitive he's not giving defenses enough to think about basically and uh to, to your point on on Evan Ingram um you know so but obviously li- listening to you describe the lack of usage of Ingram's, you know, top end speed. And I was like, oh, he must be, you know, six, six yards average depth of target 3.2. What are we doing? Uh, it, it makes me mad, John. I, I don't, um, I can't think of a charitable, uh, to be fair kind of thing to, to offer on behalf of the Jags coaches. It's just nonsense to me. And then on the Atlanta side of the equation, when does Heineke watch start? <laughs> I uh, I actually didn't get a chance to look at that game, but 
I, uh, do you, John, have a sense of whether Ritter kind of made most of those sacks happen or whether it was a tandem effort of the quarterback and the offensive line? Because I have this crank uh, suspicion that the, the Falcons offensive line actually isn't good and that whole, all that stuff last year where they were getting good PFF grades was just because they were run blocking so much. But uh, admittedly, they haven't had a game that bad, certainly since Matt Ryan and it it could be Ritter's fault that he was taking that many sacks. It's not looking good. Whoever's fault it is, it's like this is not fixable kind of thing. Right. It, it, you know, it's just like you, you complete barely over half your passes at 5.3 yards per attempt against the Detroit Lions. And, you, you, you know, you can't get anything going on the ground either, despite, you know, having, you know, what's verified as, as pretty good speed for a quarterback at a 4.52. Um, but yeah. we we ex- we expressed the concerns when when he was a prospect as to whether he'd be able to to leverage that speed because he is uh, pretty rail thin. But either way, it's it just doesn't seem to be working. It obviously you know has, has fantasy ripple effects for for Kyle Pitts and for for Drake London. Uh, they've yet to be able to get both of them going in the same game, which is crazy when they are really the only two guys worth throwing it to if you're not throwing it to Bijan Robinson. So Atlanta seems kind of kind of busted. Too, in, in, in a sense, I, I felt a little bit optimistic after the first two weeks for them, but um, I, I found like last week was a bit more of like a sobering reality check as to where the Falcons really are. Yeah, it's frustrating that they aren't a better team and uh, you'd think it'd be easy to find a better quarterback than this. Like, God, it, it's even like Andy Dalton would be a yes. huge upgrade, you know, and uh, although I, I am open to Heineke being better than Dalton. So I'm, I don't mean to count out Heineke. I'm, I'm more so concerned. Heineke's going to, you know, he, he's always like jumping off of roofs and stuff. Yeah. He's going to Dave England himself. on, on the IR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, uh, he's going to do the elbow trick again. And uh, <laughs> we're back to Ritter. <laughs> Darn it. Oh, we can't, can't have it, but uh, you know, that that's where we're at. So, uh, bottom line here, I like the Jags to to bounce back and 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 win. That, I guess, I mean. yeah, one of these idiots has to win. So I guess the Jags will say, "Yep." Uh, hashtag trust Trevor. Um, <laughs> Save onwards, us, Trevor, please. Um, onward to the afternoon slate. We've got the Dolphins Bills. Probably the best game of this weekend. Bills favored by two and a half or three points, depending on the book. Uh, Bills obviously at, at home in this one. The over under a crispy 53 and a half. So we, we love to see that. We love to see some high totals. We definitely saw some really low ones last weekend. So um, obviously Miami cruise, by, cruise past this total by themselves last weekend. Don't expect <laughs> that to happen again. But that was crazy. Yeah, what that was absolutely bonkers. Uh, you know, every time you look up that the Miami's in the red zone or having already scored again is just I couldn't tell. Like, did the Broncos quit that much or was McDaniel just he, he really had them in that much of a head? What is there? Is it Vance Joseph, the coordinator? It's like, yeah, had him in a had him in a sharpshooter. Just 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 would not let him out. <laughs> had him just totally pinned down. I, there was even my guy, um, Chris Brooks, was running wild. It was crazy. There, yeah, there was some sentiment that um, that the Broncos did just kind of look like they wanted to get out of there by like the you know halfway through the, the second half or so. But they must um, they 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 should have wanted to get out. Yeah, I mean that that seemed like a miserable time for for them, but very fun for literally everybody else. That was that was amazing. 
but uh, going up against a Buffalo team that, that, you know, I, I feel like Buffalo, despite having two blowout wins over the, over the last two weeks, like there's still a bit of, they're the same team they've them. been as like they're, they're they're not showing anything new, you know. Like we've always known that they can beat up on weak teams, and they can compete with good teams, the best teams too. But you know, we've we've seen them get to this uh, this the same crest for three years now, and and they get to it, and each time we're like, they're gonna go over it, and each time they kind of just slip and stay there, and. Uh, yeah, it's, they, they got to start beating teams that aren't just the Raiders, especially, you know, at this point in their window, like they can't it, like Josh Allen can probably play a long time, but you don't want to assume you'll have quite the core of players that they do right now and all the continuity that they do at so many levels of the organization. And uh, yeah, beating the Raiders like they did. It's it's like you're, I guess, checking the box. You, you certainly don't get extra credit for it. You're you're doing what you've you should be doing with relative ease so you know kudos for doing the easy thing but uh beating the the dolphins is very much a different question and i don't know uh, mcdaniel's just kind of on one two is doing a great job i don't mean to make it sound like the whole thing is just mvp favorite right now yeah i don't know about that i mean granted if 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 the numbers hold like they have been he he will win it i just uh it feels like a trap to me, not even for the concussion reasons. It's just uh, he, we, we, we kind of have, especially early in the season, a tendency to just overreact to stuff. And uh, as much as Tua gets a lot of credit for it, that Denver game was such a laugher that I don't I'm not looking at it as like, oh, the Bills defense is going to have the same thing happen to them now, too. It, it, I'd sooner say like it was it was an open net game for Tua. So um, mm-hmm. he he did a good job, but even in his case too, it's like it's, it's checking the box when the when the defense quits or is beaten that bad, uh, you you should be making uh, good throws. But the Bills' defense, I, I guess, is uh, I can't remember how Tua did against them last year. I could imagine him. There was, a, I think, just maybe he had just one game against it. He had the the early season game. Uh, where they, where they won uh, close, and that, that's when Ken Dorsey went uh, ballistic in in the in the box. I, I forget if t- I know two leave that game. In the, 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 oh, he might have, and then week four because he was doing good, but he only threw eighteen passes, so that must have been one of them. Uh, but yeah, the, the at Buffalo later in the year, worse worse outcome in that one. But that's something you'd kind of bake into the expectation being in Buffalo late in the year. Uh, right. At least this one's, you know, I don't know what the latest of the various hurricanes or whatever are happening in the world. But uh, as long as there's not like rain and stuff, this this should be a much easier version than playing this game in, uh, you know, December. Yeah, I, I believe that the wet, the weather forecast for Buffalo on Sunday is pretty pristine, like high 70s, clear. Oh, so nice. Should, should be all, all systems go. That's there, how they so. should do it. Early season mm-hmm. uh, Buffalo, late season Miami. Uh, instead of the other way around it makes too much dang sense um so one one of the big you know obviously fantasy storylines coming out of this past weekend was was the arrival of one devon achan what do we do with him now uh in season long you start him now like not not thinking twice about it or or is this something that we, we might see the, the work get scaled back, or, or was he just simply too good last weekend to justify scaling back the role? It's 
the kind of thing that uh, he, he's limited workload wise, in my opinion, both because of his frame and because of the structure of the, the Dolphins' offense. Like they they ran a lot of plays. <laughs> they uh, let's see, that's seventy eight plays. That's a lot. And almost uh, a point per play. <laughs> yeah. So eighteen carries, four catches. That's it's awesome to see H H N. That guy, it was good to see him uh, have a, a carry a workload like that because it was, you know, a bit of a question. He's, he's certainly among the smallest running backs to get drafted in day two history or recent history. And, you know, there's there's a lot of not so good uh, case study outcomes of, of running backs with similar builds to his that didn't turn out in the NFL. So it was, it was good to see him, you know, just kill it like that and, and do it on a workload that you know was was pretty hefty however that he had the workload that big in that game i think was sort of just a byproduct of the, the circus going on i don't think the dolphins are really like we got to get him 30 snaps a game we got to get him 18 carries it was uh it, i think it's it's let's see jeff jeff wilson's not coming back for this one uh no. salvin ahmed's over that was stupid to begin with i mean Mike mcdaniel yeah. is maybe the, the, the goaded play caller of all time, but his, his player personnel, it's it, it, all these guys are like this. The best play callers just like, can't tell who their best players are. It's like, if you're looking at Salvin Ahmed and saying, I think we got to go with him this week over Devin a chain, then you, you just, you know, you're very wrong. You're, you're, you're missing something. And, uh, yeah, Ahmed is over now. There's no way McDaniel can be like, Oh, uh, yeah. Ahmed could have done that. He could have, he could have had two thirty and four touchdowns. I've I've seen him do that kind of stuff before. Uh, Ahmed might get cut soon because I I don't know if they're going to cut Chris Brooks. He's he's more interesting than Ahmed anyway. Uh, the the thing is Mostert's going to get probably like thirty snaps. Uh, I guess you could see a chain a chain getting to uh, thirty snaps if they run another seventy something in this one. And that could happen, but it would require, I think, kind of a shootout sort of like Josh Allen needs to have a, a good game and Tua needs to have a good game too uh, for A-Chain to get to like 30 snaps in this one. So that workload, I think, is always going to trend more toward like eight carries and three catches than 18 and four catches. However, he is the fastest running back in the NFL and he plays for Mike McDaniel. So I think we have to consider it a pretty serious possibility that a chain finishes the year, like seven yards a carry something like that. And, and with oh you know, a, a touchdown every, I don't know, 12 carries, something like that. So I'm not going to say it's an easy call. Uh, if, if someone wants to bench him for workload concerns, I would totally understand it, but I would probably need three really good, you know, uh, two really good running backs and a really good flex alternative all uh, to keep a chain on the bench right now. Yep. Same. I'm, I'm, I'm throwing him in there where, where I have him. And, you know, I feel like the dolphins at this stage, they can just justify having, you know, 30 ish carries divided with, uh, with Mostert and with a chain and, and with, with, with a chain, like, the the yards per touch are, are going to be so much more ridiculous that that and the the touchdowns per per touch relative to like the these volume plotter types like, like Kyron Williams will, will probably you know lap him in in uh. total touches this year but like 
HN will probably outscore him for fantasy purposes. HN will have three times as much yardage on half the workload. See, exactly. So I, I think once you like kind of uh, get that framing to to analyzing HN, where it's like, okay, he's not going to get the Jonathan Taylor of old uh, type of uh, rushing workload, but that's okay. He's going to be when he's out there. He's going to be fresh because you know Mostert has, has been out there. And he can use that game-breaking speed. So Miami just has such an advantage when it comes to the speed element. Uh, they're getting Jalen Waddle back. You already have Tyree Kill, of course. Mostert, for his part, is maybe like the second fastest running back in the league. So they just okay. they it's it's so it's got to just be hell to to play against the Dolphins in that sense. Yeah, I don't think it, you know maybe since uh, I guess it's it's we could be talking like that Patriots team and the 99 Rams as far as the offenses that just give you this level of dread. Uh, it's, it's, I, I don't think that the, the league is particularly close to figuring out McDaniel. I don't know if they'll ever be able to, it might be a kind of thing that they adjust to some things that he's doing and slow him down. But I also think it's just as likely he'll always find a new way. And every time you make an adjustment, you're leaving yourself thinner somewhere else. And he might always find it and, if he is that good, if he's on that kind of role and he's got this speed to work with and, you know, if, if the offensive line doesn't fall apart, if two is healthy, uh, yeah, the Bills defense, even being a good one, it could be in a lot of trouble. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we all laughed at Mike McDaniel when uh, he first gets hired by Miami. He get, he's on that phone call with Tua on the, on the private jet. It's like, I'm going to make you an MVP. And we all laughed. Look at us now. And uh, we we all laughed when they uh, watched uh, McGruber on the flight back from the concussion. <laughs> I mean, because it's a good cheered. movie. Yeah, what what cheers you up more than the, than uh, doing the celery distraction? Um, beyond celery <laughs> <So> trick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh boy, oh this is a good show. Um, all right, we uh, final thought or final prediction here on on a. Uh, on the Miami Bills game before we uh, move on. I'll take the Dolphins, but admittedly, I, I'm just kind of flipping a coin in my head and uh, letting last week's results push it to its outcome. I just, uh, my my fade the Bills um, instinct ha- has not uh, gone away just yet. So You're a hater. I'm, I'm, I am. I'm, it's It's been established basically at this point. Sorry, Bills Mafia. <laughs> Um, we got that question yeah, from Tyler there. We, we sure do. We have a super chat from our guy, Tyler. He wants to know if you would start Jared Goff or Joe Burrow this week. Tricky because Goff is obviously playing on the Thursday night game, but we've got a decent over under in that one. And it's not a cold weather game at, at Lambeau, which is an important detail. We have Jared Goff ranked as QB eight this week and we have Joe Burrow down at QB 11. So pretty close in terms of the, the projection, but d- despite Burrow looking better in week three, I don't know if he, he looked better than uh golf or, or my expectations for, for golf going into this week. And, and, you know, the Titans are, are no picnic to play against. I, I think that especially on the road. So I, I give my lean to, to golf here, even on the short week. 
Oh, sorry, sorry to give a split decision, uh, Tyler, but I it, it, here's the the disclaimer that can maybe make it easier for you to decide. But uh, I'm pretty much a golf hater, so it's tough for me to pick him ever, and I can't do it ever when he's on the road. And his offensive line's a bit beat up. I guess we still don't know how healthy Amon Ra is, even though he did great last week. So I would go with Burrow because if nothing else, too, I think he's going to throw 40 passes in that game and uh, the because the Bengals aren't going to be able to run at all in the Titans. So that's why I go with Burrow. It's it's uh, it, it's not great how he's looking. But yeah, if if uh, if you if you're looking for the tiebreaker, it is worth keeping in mind that I can't be unbiased about golf. It's true. Uh, I've, I've noticed that. Uh, a handful of times over the over the years. Jared Goff stands uh, look elsewhere. Um, before we get on over to our next game, we've got a message from our friends over at Better Vision. I think we can all agree that fantasy sports are awesome. So is Daily Fantasy and sports betting. That's why we have so many friggin' accounts. Boy, don't we. What's not awesome is going to a bunch of different apps to find the best odds and manage your fancy lineups. Enter Better Vision. That's B-E-T-T-O-R Vision. Better Vision is the only app that syncs all your fantasy, DFS, and sportsbooks accounts in one place. We only show you the best odds for every bet, so you'll always get the best value. And our dashboard is the only one-stop shop to track all your fantasy matchups, DFS picks, and bets. Visit bettervision.us to download Better Vision today. We also got a message from our friends over at Vivid Seats. Football is back. Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? Kick off the NFL season with Vivid Seats and score tickets to all the hottest matchups and biggest games of the year. Catch every pass, every tackle, every heart-pounding play of your favorite team live and in person. And with Vivid Seats, now you earn rewards with every single purchase. Each ticket you buy gets you closer to your reward. Just buy 10 tickets, then simply cash in your credit towards your 11th ticket purchase. It's that easy. Plus, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code ROTOWIRE. That's R-O-T-O-W-I-R-E. From the 50-yard line to the upper deck, Vivid Seats has great tickets for all the 2023 games that matter to you. Just visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Again, that's promo code ROTOWIRE. That's R-O-T-O-W-I-R-E. And then a message from our friends over at Blue Wire. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Okay, on to the next one. Vikings-Panthers. The Adam Thielen revenge game (laughs) taking place in in Carolina. Four and a half is the line here in favor of the Vikings on the road. Bryce Young looks like he's going to be back in the fold. I would have been on Carolina had it been Andy Dalton, as crazy as that sounds. But it being Bryce Young... I know the Vikings, have, I believe they've, they've yet to cover a spread this year. I think they break that streak this week in Carolina. Fair enough. I, oh man, I, I hate thinking about the Panthers. I don't like <laughs> anything they do. I don't like the, the Vikings either. They're, they're also annoying to me. But, man, the Panthers are just grim. I don't know where, I don't know how anything good comes of this. But, uh, like you said, Bryce Young has been discouraging. And I, I do think that that Seattle defense is maybe the worst in the league and that Young would have had a much better game against them than he did uh, on the road against Atlanta or against the Saints who have a good defense. So I, I even as someone who was not high on Young, I'm not really blaming him for anything that's happened to this point. Uh, however, Dalton, at least, I don't know, he's he, he was okay last year. Not good exactly, but better than like or as good anyway as someone like daniel jones you know uh it's just uh that's that's not what you normally strive for so i can understand why the why the panthers are going back to young and hoping that you know he he does better uh in this an easier matchup against the vikings defense that's just kind of uh i don't th- it's got a few things going for it. they got a couple good players but they're not good throughout any one unit you know it's like there's no strength area at the defense they just kind of got a few guys who are pretty good on their own and you can't really amount to much as a defense that way so Bryce Young I think will have a better game here as to whether it's enough to make it competitive or whatever I don't know uh I do think that the the Vikings offense could get a lot better if they just started giving more snaps to Addison specifically at the expense of Osborne but uh they appear to just not be interested in having more yards on the, on the team. So fully familiar with, with uh, your, your skepticism of of KJ Osborne and like, it's, it's obviously born out in the numbers, but I I watched a good bit of the game last weekend against the Chargers and like, see, like getting to actually visibly see how bad he is uh, really something else. He's also on the field. Yeah, they justify his playing time by talking about what a good blocker he is. And it's like, you guys hate running the ball. The, the Vikings probably, other than the Dolphins, run uh, the fewest rush attempts at the running back position, I, I would guess, in the league. Uh, it's Or the Chiefs, maybe. I don't know. Some 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 teams like that. So if you're going to be a blocking specialist, if you're going to put a blocking specialist receiver in your starting lineup, 
you better run like hell because you're not throwing Osborne's on the field. So you're just not. So the Vikings uh, are the, the lowest rushing volume in the league at, at 50 attempts through three games. So stupid. So, well, anyway, they'll have to eventually make that change. Usually what happens in cases like these is the coach is forced through desperation or, you know, bad optics getting to the point that the owner, the GM is, is leaning on him and saying, Hey, I thought Jordan Addison looked pretty good last week. What, what do you, maybe we should put him in more, huh? You know, stuff that's, that's how it's probably got to go here. But I do think it is reaching that point. Addison just keeps being pretty much automatic and Osborne keeps being a total sinkhole in the offense. So when you're zero and three stuff, uh, stupid decisions like that tend to get abandoned more easily. Yep. So that they are, they're in that tough spot. The, the dreaded, Oh, and three start not making the playoffs. It's open. No, You're not making uh, it. You blew it already. Have <laughs> the regression concerns, but I mean, not to this extent. I mean, that's it's been obvious. Like I, they got the bad regression hit, and they added more problems onto it on their own. And it's like nice work. Impressive, impressive stuff. So yes, um, I, I'm I'm with you there, but I, I think that they will beat the Panthers. The Panthers are also just kind of banged up generally on the, on the defensive side of the ball. And that, yeah. that bodes ill when uh, at the very least the Vikings have Justin Jefferson and Kirk cousins. So I think that that's pretty much going to be enough for them to, to get this done. Yeah. Um, let's go to the sicko game of the year. Broncos bears, baby. We got Broncos uh, three and a half point favorites on, on the road. Uh, do we want to just do a full other podcast on this game and, and uh, just move on to another one. I mean, but yeah, you, I, was, you I was chuckling when you're, you're talking about the sicko game. And then uh, when you know reminded me of what the actual game is, I'm like, that's not funny. It's nothing. <laughs> this is not funny. It's not a joking matter. Uh, I'm serious. This, people, this is my job. It's so bad. I hate these teams so much. Uh, this game doesn't exist to me. I I'll take, I guess the Broncos, but, just because they have Marvin Mims is going to play 15 snaps and have 200 yards. He's going to do like a Devin HN thing at receiver and uh, they'll win 14 to 10. Marvin, like it, it was like funny. The the second week of the season where, where Mims did great on unlimited targets. It's like, Oh, well certainly he'll play a little bit more uh, this coming week. And it, it still just did, didn't really happen. I know it's, it's tough. You get a log jam where, where Judy and Sutton uh, are both healthy now, but I mean, the, the returns for Mims are just, absurd. we got to start like, doing it again, John. We, we got to s- s- start up the, uh, the bashing Brandon Johnson segment. Is that what his name is? I can't even remember it, his name. It, it is. Okay. It, well, yeah, that whole thing is just, it's like as stupid and bad as the Broncos are, they might have cost themselves a chance at a win because of just playing inexplicably this this receiver that i can't remember the name of from ucf in tennessee they're playing him over marvin mims like they might have lost a game because of that and i I just can't believe it it's crazy i I really can hardly talk about it it's uh uh, well i know we don't need to this game sucks it's bad. We're far down the road, but it's still early in a sense. I think that Mims is going to start to, you know, get more consistent yeah, rules. So I, I think if you have him, I think he's definitely like a, a pseudo risky because of the playing time concerns. But I, I think a, a definite, you know, guy that you can justify starting in, in your flex spot 
um, for, for this week. Um, I, I guess that this is one line of decision that I had that, that might might be salient, might might help some other people out. Would you start Mims or Nico Collins this week? Uh, probably Nico Collins. Am I missing something? Why wouldn't it be Nico Collins? Oh, I, I just think that that Mims is upside. Oh, okay, is, cool. Is right I there. love Mims too. I just um, I I am personally chalking up uh Collins's slow week last week to just getting the most of Tyson Campbell. Uh, I think that's pretty much what cut Tank Dell loose is just the defense. The, to the extent the Jags could defend the pass, they pretty much put it all at Collins just on the basis of Campbell going after him. So uh, no Campbell. In this defense and the Steelers, I think, um, not not to make it sound like it'll be easy exactly. I assume they'll get better over the course of the year, but the Steelers' pass defense hasn't looked all that convincing to me to this point. No, they have the husk of Patrick Peterson out there. Uh, so re- really, he's it's, still it's talking long. trash. He's just like l- limping up and down the field after ball carriers and t- just talking trash at them. It's it's uh, it's quite a sight to behold, but um, yeah, well, I, I suppose my, my question was uh, somewhat foolish in, in that case. I wish you could do both. I, I, I don't want to say bench Mims. I, I want to say start Mims. I want to say it to Sean Payton. Yeah, thank you. Um, let's see. Be, beyond that, mm, I think that that's pretty much it for this game. Yeah, the real Bears, I mean, you start in Justin Fields still if you have him? No. I'm not even. I mean, it, unless I have just an incredibly bad alternative. If, if it if it's Sam Howell and Justin Fields, yeah, I'll start Justin Fields. Yeah, that that's pretty much the the line of, of demarcation. <laughs> Let's go on over to Cleveland. We've got the Browns facing off against the Ravens. Browns two and a half point favorites in this one. I, I dug up some interesting uh, like betting trends uh, when it comes to the, these two teams. Uh, let's see here. The Ravens are 12 and three against the spread in the last 15 games against Cleveland. Uh, the Ravens are 19, three and one against the spread in the last 23 games as a underdog. The Browns one in seven against the spread after a win since the start of last season, um, six and 12 as a favorite dating back to 2021. That's great. Uh, they're pretty beat up right now, though, and it sucks because I think it's really disrupted the implementation of the Munkin offense, like having all these injuries and just weird situations. And I don't know how soon they might get it all together. It's hard to get a new system going when you have a lot of personnel turnover from week to week. And the Browns, to me, at least look like a coherent product it's not necessarily an offense especially it hasn't been good although i guess you know watson did better last week but on defense they're super legitimate and i you know if if you could get this matchup maybe two months from now and you told me everybody was healthy for the ravens i'd say like yeah lamar's ready for this game i don't feel that way right now i think that the ravens look busted basically and the browns defense uh, it's not so much that Jim Schwartz is doing an amazing job or whatever. It was that Joe Woods was doing an amazingly bad job all these years and getting an average defensive coordinator has catapulted the Browns into like top five defense category, which it feels weird to say, but a few years ago, you know, as they were accumulating guys like Garrett Denzel Ward, Greg Newsom, it felt like, Oh, they're going to be a really awesome defense soon. And then it just never happened. 
we kind of forgot about all that, but I think now it is happening and it, you know, could be Lamar's problem. Yeah. Lamar, I think is going to basically have to be Superman for, for the Ravens to to pull this off. So even with the, those trends uh, regarding the Browns and, you know, I'm, I'm still not ready to jump in with both feet that, that Watson is, is fixed or, or, um, you know, someone that we can count on week to week. I still think that he has clunk, he has clunkers still to go this year, but um, I'm not sure it, it happens this week. The Browns are at, at home. The Ravens, no Hamilton, they, no Humphrey. Ooh, is Ham, is Hamilton out out? Oh, sorry. I just I just thought he wasn't practicing. Um, but yeah, it, uh, it, apparently his uh, his uh, like left arm was was uh, apparently bothering him a bit on uh, on Sunday. He did play 84 snaps in that game on just on defense alone. He was a monster. I think I think we're starting to see him come on so hopefully he's out there we'll, we'll see what's up with humphrey uh some instagram reporting on, on my part uh i think it was odafe always instagram uh videoing marlon humphrey in the weight room saying oh he's gonna be back this week so we'll uh oh, we'll nice. see what happens there but that'd be helpful um it, it would uh ronnie stanley and linderbaum were, were both practicing on wednesday so that that helps but they still might be shorthanded at, at um, receiver, depending on what Beckham and Bateman's uh, situations are. And uh, they, they need to do a better job of uh, deploying Zay Flowers because they're basically doing the Evan Ingram, the Evan Ingram thing to him. Just 5.1 is his average depth of, of target. And that includes, a, you know, the, that 150-yarder against the Bengals a few weeks ago. So it's like one. Okay. Basically, it's it's just one. If you look at um, his next gen stats route tree from last week, they just have him go up to the line and just turn right or turn left. There, there's there is no uh, verticality to to his usage to this point. Yeah, I will say. I, I mean, I I do. If I had to guess, I would chalk it up mostly to the personnel turnover and just the clunks, the the growing pains of getting a new system in place, but. The timer is starting on Munkin. Like he's he's got a he's he seems like the type to me that would do exactly this, but he has to be kind of self-critical right now and try to think about uh doing things differently. I think so as well, but uh, long-term optimistic that it, that it starts to click not so much this week, so I'll, I'll take the Browns right. in in this one. Uh Jacobo wants to know and again, Jacobo, thank you for the super chat. Would you trade away Zach Moss for Christian Watson? I think it, it's a good time to sell high on Zach Moss. I mean, yeah. I guess it it depends on your expectations for Jonathan Taylor. Is he actually going to play for Indianapolis this year, which was also a question earlier in the chat. Uh, yeah, I have no idea on the, the Taylor parts. I mean, Jim Ursay doesn't really have any reason to live other than to antagonize Jonathan Taylor. So he might uh, also what happened there was Jim Ursay blurted out to media anonymously, but he blurted it out. Nonetheless, like, Oh, we're going to put him on NFI. We're not going to pay him. And then the team lawyers had to tell him like, uh, Jim, you can't do that. And he went, well, still. And so the, but still is doing this thing with the PUP list for four weeks. And He's saying, well, fine, then I'm not going to let you pay, but I will pay you, I guess. Aha. And so that's that's where he finds himself. And it's ridiculous. And he looks like a fool for it. But he's like he's invested in 
making it look like he's not a chump and a weakling and an idiot. And so he he has to pretend that he's like doing this intentionally and he, he doesn't want to look weak by giving in to Taylor. So I could see Ursay trying to do something where he like suspends Taylor for the whole year or just tell Steichen like you have to make him a healthy scratch or something because I don't I don't want to I don't want to lose this. I don't want to lose my my pissing match with him. So uh, I don't know what to think there. But one thing to keep in mind about Moss is he's been hurt a lot over the years. Uh, at Utah, he had knee problems. In the NFL, it's been a variety of things. So there's that. And there's uh, Evan Hull's not out for the year, is he? He's going to be back at some point. He's just on IR so. for probably short term. So Evan Hull will be back at some point and probably will take, I don't know, upwards of 20 snaps a game. So, yeah, I like the idea of, Switch, uh, swapping Moss for Watson, although I mean, you definitely don't have to do it if, if you need the running back. I think Moss can be pretty good, but he's had durability problems. Yes, he has. And, and that how many more times this season is he gonna, you know, have a 30 carry game, do what he did against Baltimore, catch that beautiful wheel we're out for, for a touchdown? Uh, I, I think this, this is probably uh, unless you are really strapped for depth at running back which I'm guessing not if he's entertaining that this trade offer for a wide receiver. Um, I, I think this is the, the sell high window for, for Moss. Yeah. Um, let's keep rocking. We've got Texan Steelers. So just alluded to that game a moment ago. Uh, we've got the Steelers as two and a half point favorites. I think the offense is still busted, but I think the defense is good enough to where I, I do like their chances, especially against this Texans offensive line. Yeah, I uh, I don't have a good sense of the Steelers' defense yet. Uh, of course, Watt, Highsmith, in themselves are, are terrifying. The rest of it, and Fitzpatrick's, of course, very good. But other than those three pillars, I think it's it's kind of beatable. And who is is it? Slowick, who's the Houston offensive coordinator? Uh, whoever is whoever it is is doing a pretty good job, it seems like. And I've been pretty. I've been caught off guard by how much they've been willing to kind of unleash Stroud, you know, like throwing 40 attempts every week. I would have thought they'd try to keep him at 25 every week and like lean on the run game and the defense to kind of give him cover, at least his rookie year. And it's exactly the opposite to this point. They're just, they're just putting him right out there and telling him to shoot. So uh, that's, that's pretty impressive. I think for, you know, all involved. However, I don't, man, yeah, I guess it is. It is a different question. Like, do you want to do that forty pass attempt thing against two guys who could push for twenty sacks in the same season? And I don't know that that might be a little different. Like you said, the Pittsburgh offense is completely crap, and uh, I I don't think they're going to get much traction against to make a Ryan's defense here. So I'll say Houston. Although, what do you do? You think like the under John? Like, are you are you? Are you concerned about the Pittsburgh pass rush, uh, maybe keeping Stroud's pass attempt volume a little lower? I, I think uh, they're going to have to restructure it. Like, the, the, there's going to have to be a lot of quick games, sort of akin to like Colorado's first game against TCU this year, where they're they were throwing it a ton, but they just got rid of the ball immediately because they knew the offensive line wasn't going to be able to hold up. So, if Houston goes with with a similar type of philosophy with the rut with the pass game keep the volume, but just, you know, shorten up the timing. I think it could work and it, it mitigate the pass rush a little bit. Basically, if Houston uh, wins or covers this, this game, I think it's, we, we see it go over. Um, but if Pittsburgh wins, I, I think we see an under as well. Okay. 
Yeah, I guess I, I don't have a great sense of how the Houston run defense is, but I, I will say I'll take Houston to cover either way uh, just because Kenny. Kenny, and and uh, I think my, my favorite tweet for, from last weekend on, on NFL Twitter, someone it, just like a sort of random insult to Najee Harris, but so funny, just, just said, Najee Harris runs like he's wearing jeans. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know I don't about know that. Why, it, I think he's surely these jeans, at least, uh, I don't know, are like ripped a little bit, right? Like these, it's not, these dungarees are, are they aren't Brett Favre Wranglers. Yeah. No, um, no. So, yeah, I think I think that it is it is a funny image. I do think the Harris bashing has gotten a little out of hand. Like, I think the whole offense is doomed because of the quarterback and the offensive line. And then optics wise, it tends to fall on Harris because it does. Just, it's it's like people are just like, oh, why won't he get out of the way of my favorite sleeper? Why won't he stop being a hog and, and taking all these carries and being slow and stupid? It's like he's not slow or bad. I mean, he's not fast, but he's not like the slowest running back in the league. That's probably Kyron Williams or somebody. And yet, you you if you did a poll of like, uh, you know, fantasy Twitter people. They'd probably say Kyron Williams is the better player and the faster one. So it's like the the people who hate Najee the most and are loudest about it, in my opinion, discredit themselves pretty much every time they talk. Yeah, and they uh, like the Venn diagram of them also being Jalen Warren high share havers is you know a perfect circle. They are uh, mistackled mis tackles forced uh, patrons all. And we don't we don't care for that. That's a, a stupid number. That's not real. Um, Indianapolis hosting the Los Angeles Rams. Interesting game here. We've got Indianapolis favored by uh, one point at, at DraftKings, and the Rams, or I'm sorry, uh, Indianapolis one point home underdogs at DraftKings, but one and a half point favorites at FanDuel. So a bit of split action there as far as how the public is handling this. Um, on the posted number with the Rams being favored by one point, uh, 58% of the money is on the Rams covering uh, what one point. Okay, so um, I, I, is it, I must be missing some injury thing or something because I'm a little surprised that the Rams aren't just favored in this game. Let's see. Do you think it's a reaction to to Richardson being back and and like the the books thinking that Minshew gives them a, a better chance? Uh, oh, I just I just think that the Rams should be able to throw on the Colts because the Colts have maybe the worst corner rotation in the league, and Gus Bradley is their coordinator, so that's bad and. I, I know that the offensive line has been bad for the Rams. By the way, I didn't even notice uh, until watching that game, uh, the last one they were playing, that Joe Noteboom got moved to guard. Like, when the hell did that happen? I thought he was their bad left tackle, and now he's their, their right guard, and some other guys their bad left tackle. But uh, anyway, that is a concern. And Matt Stafford, you know, he's only got so many more hits in him. He's taken more than he, he sh- should be, given that. And... DeForest Buckner is the kind of guy who can just kind of ragdoll your whole offensive line. So uh, Avila is a rock, I think, but the rest of it might be kind of a, a leak. And 
maybe that's the way Stafford doesn't have a good game here. I don't know. I was trying to, I was trying to like do devil's advocate against myself. Cause like when I looked at it at a glance, it was like, these corners can't do anything against Stafford. There's no way Gus Bradley, no way. But if DeForest Buckner eats Matt Stafford, then he can't throw the ball. It's, I mean, that's, that's inarguable. Um, and we, I mean, we saw Monday night. I mean, I don't think what Indianapolis has edge personnel wise quite matches up with, with Hendrickson and, and Hubbard on Cincinnati, but um, you know, that, that's where the Rams are going to get in trouble this year. Like good edge per- personnel is going to cave in that offense, but um, I'm not sure that beyond Buckner that they, that Indianapolis necessarily has it. I think you raise a good point about that corner personnel as well. So I, I'm on the Rams here as well, but um, I don't know how either side you can feel particularly confident either way. No, uh, I'll take the Rams too, though, with that said. I think Stafford, I know his numbers are ugly, but I, I feel like he's doing a lot better than his numbers say. Yeah, he, he looks closer to 2021 than, than he, he does, um, you know, last year's, uh, you know, iteration before he got injured. Let's go to New Orleans. We got the Saints hosting the Buccaneers. Saints three-point favorites at home. Is it crazy to like the Bucks here? I mean, was was the Bucks last week just a, a more realistic reflection of, of who they are? Or, you know, is this a spot where with New Orleans being Sands Derek Carr that that maybe the Bucks do have a chance? I don't know if I believe that Carr is better than Jameis Winston. So <laughs> I don't know if I'm making much of that. Uh it is, let's see. So I didn't get a chance to look yet how the Buccaneers used Godwin against the Eagles, but what they had done in the first two weeks was they mostly used Godwin outside rather than in the slot, which is where he had played pretty much all the time before uh, this year. And I think it's hurt Godwin's numbers a little bit. It's, it's at least hurt his target rate. Cause it's just, it's easier to get a, uh, not get open in the slot, but it's like, uh, you don't need to get as open in the slot to get a target. And outside i think there's a chance that i know mike evans is dropping all these passes or whatever but there's a chance that mike evans is a better outside receiver than godwin so the more that the buccaneers continue to use godwin outside the harder they make things on themselves in my opinion and this game could be uh like a, a really costly demonstration of that if they keep using him mostly outside so uh i don't know what the latest is on paulson adebo i know he was out last week that alante taylor uh, he, he had a weird game. He, he seemed to kind of get like, he, he was kind of like the goat of the, you know, the, the, the collapse that the, the saints had in the, the second half, but he sort of just, uh, he was targeted like 12 times and he had like eight good reps and then like four bad ones, you know? So I think Taylor's probably good, <coughs> excuse me. But, uh, if, if a Debo's out again, then Taylor might not be in the slot. Uh, they 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 can move him inside or out, but he was in the slot when Adebo was on the field, and it, it's like they wanted they should try to get Godwin against whoever that third corner is, and uh, in the slot either way, I guess. It also, even if Taylor is in the slot, Godwin should they should just use him there, and if they don't, I think they uh, could have I don't know like they could be on shutout watch here, in my opinion. Like the Buccaneers aren't going to be able to run the ball, I don't think. So if they're leaving Baker Mayfield with just like thirty dropbacks. With Mike Evans immediately, I guess, you know, getting ejected against Marshawn Lattimore and then 
Chris Godwin going against like a double coverage on the outside to there just might be nowhere to throw the ball except to like Cade Otten or something like that. Hmm. Yeah. The, 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 the Godwin usage is interesting that, uh, you know, he's had 60 uh, snaps lined up out wide and 76 um, in, in the slot that it's usually, you know, way more favoring um, the, the slot that than outside when it comes to Godwin. So a bit of a change uh, there is definitely interesting. It maybe is that to make room for like the, the smaller guys, like your Devin Tompkins is of the world. I don't know why, but they've been giving most of the slot snaps to Tompkins and Trey Palmer. And I would have thought Trey Palmer was like an in, like an inverse of a slot receiver. If anything, I thought you want that guy doing distance running, but anyway, I don't think it's a good idea to keep using Godwin outside all the time. Not that he can't play there, but it's like, I, I need a better quarterback for, for Godwin to project as well outside as he does in the slot. So with, with Baker Mayfield. So uh, if, if they put Godwin back to the slot, I like the chances of kind of putting together a respectable offense here. And if they don't, I, I don't like the chances of it. And then with, with Kamara coming back the, this week, what, what's your expectation? Saints run defense is tough. I don't know if it's going to be, uh, I don't know if there's going to be much yardage up for grabs. There could be touchdowns. If, if I'm correct to worry so much about the, the Buccaneers offense, then the Saints might have a lot of time of possession, a lot of time of possession in enemy territory and if you're doing that long enough if you're kind of sitting on the ball snapping the ball enough times in enemy territory over a game the touchdowns and even the big plays can kind of start happening guys can start slipping getting gas whatever uh there is that route for Kamara but I think more so he's going to be uh kind of sluggish on the ground and I don't know what effect I'm expecting as a pass catcher I guess I like his chances as a pass catcher a decent amount, but I, I don't think he's going to be able to run for all that much yardage. Yeah, I would I would say Kamara is like a, a lower tier RB two for this week, but but I am optimistic uh, for for him going forward now that the suspension uh, is behind him. Uh, let's get to Eagles Commanders. Eagles eight point favorites at most shops. Uh, way overwhelming. Uh, Public action is on the Eagles at minus eight over at DraftKings, 72% of the money uh, coming in on them, 80% of the tickets. Washington obviously looked terrible last week against Buffalo. <laughs> Dude, that um, Howell game might have been just the worst game ever. That was crazy. Don't, don't say it. I, I, earmuffs, I, I can't I can't <laughs> hear it. But, but it's not going to be much better this week against Philly, is it? Probably not. It's... <laughs> Howell has this problem where he just point blank like holds onto the ball way too long. And now he's going to do it against the Eagles. So holding onto the ball too long. Did you know Jordan Davis runs a four, seven, eight 40 at 340 pounds? Do you think, uh, well, you think I didn't know that. Yeah. Do you think, uh, Sam Howell is going to, uh, uh is it going to turn out good for Howell to just to pat the ball and, just keep waiting for that that steamroller to get him. I don't know. It's Howell has to be a little better. I, I actually do think that that will have to go down as the worst game of his career last week, or else he's just garbage, basically. And I don't think he's garbage, but man, he's he's got to get it together. Like you said, though, this is not really the setting for it. Uh, I don't know what Washington can do here other than bourbon bowl it. You know, like it's just yeah. I don't, yeah, not that I, that's a good uh, that's not a good option to be clear no 
No, uh, that there's no Bobby Boucher uh, that, that's going to come in at, at, at halftime that we're aware of. So um, I, I'm on the Eagles here. Um, what's up with AJ Brown? What, what what was with those drops in the end zone last week? I, I know he's. I know he mentioned he ate some takis, and that that those he said what tum tum. He ate the you know the the gas station snack the takis. Oh, I think so. Yeah mm-hmm. i I tend to know I tend to know um, snack products by just like the color of the boxes and bags and I, those are the purple ones right yes and okay. they have well, some sort of demonic blue flavor um it's um it upsets weird. me to look at i'm not sure what uh I don't, I don't know what it's like eating takis but if they have a certain effect maybe that's what what got him i don't know but uh, to be more serious it's just chance it's just 100 incidental meaningless outcomes the the better signal is the fact that he's still uh doing really great in yards per route run even with a couple missed opportunities he's got his target rate is way higher i think isn't it this has to be way higher not way higher but 30 targets on 191 snaps is a really good rate for aj brown uh that yards per target is actually really low at eight but history says it's going to get closer to 10 eventually so it wouldn't be so shocking. I don't know if it's this game exactly, but at some point this year, AJ Brown's got a 200 yarder in him, you know, and it could happen any game. And uh, obviously like you're, you're more the more tuned on, on the corner matchups, but if you get Forbes lined up on, on Brown, like I, I think if you're the Eagles, you got to just wear that out because as, as much as I like Forbes, I mean, AJ Brown is the physical mismatch of all physical mismatches for him. I would, I would have to imagine. Yeah, Washington's barely playing Forbes either. They're only using him as a nickel outside corner, and they're putting mm-hmm. that Saint Juiced guy in two wide sets, which is crazy to me. But yeah, they uh, on the one hand, AJ Brown does have what is it like fifty pounds, something almost sixty pounds on Forbes. On the other. I think it would be a lot easier to beat St. Juice just because, I don't know, he, he looks like a rover or something to me. He doesn't even look like a corner to me. So I think he's easier to beat, but you're right. Uh, it, Forbes would not be a concerning matchup for, for Brown. I think it's a, it's a little more concerning for the offense in the sense that Forbes is going to be that INT guy. Like, you, you might he might give up a lot of big plays or something, but if you go at Forbes 10 times – and you were really, you know, had great results the first nine, you might not want to push your luck for the 10th one because he could turn it into six points on you. So uh, with that said, it's not a concern for Brown. I don't think any of these corners are. No. And then uh, last question, DeAndre Swift, top 10 running back going forward? You you uh, should be able to, in a reasonable world, assume that, yeah. But I still don't have any idea what I don't know if it's Sirianni or that was it Brian Johnson, the new offensive coordinator. I don't know who's handling uh, the you know the the thinking about the backfield management, but I would seriously question their uh, logic. I don't I don't think their I don't think their premises are as sound as they think, and I I don't know if I trust them as long as they're showing such poor judgment. But Swift is definitely making it hard for them to go away from him with results like he's had. Yeah, he's been pretty. And Gainwell's not that good. I mean, I like Gainwell, no. but he's he's like the he's like the fortieth best running back in the NFL or something like that. You know? 
Yeah, not nothing special. Uh, we have a super chat here from Tyler uh, Mixon or Montgomery, uh, provided that Montgomery plays, which we are expecting. Supposed to, I think. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh man, that's tough. The issue with Mixon, in my opinion, and this is the this is often the issue with him. He's not going to get that much yardage against the Titans, at least as a runner, he won't. I don't have a great sense for how they're. Uh, I'll try to pull this up real quick here. Looks like the Titans have also been pretty stingy against running backs in the passing game. So there's no obvious route for mixing to get the yardage from scrimmage. But as always, he does kind of he's he's in play for a good touchdown count uh, if the Bengals offense is good. However, I feel like I feel like I'm laying out more conditions that need to be met uh, in the case of uh, mixing mixing than I do. In, in uh, the case of Montgomery, I know the, the injury is concerning, but I, I just don't think you need as many things to fall the right way for Montgomery. But I, I could be wrong. Do you have any thoughts, John? I, I'm on Mixon, but I don't feel great about it. I, I think okay. it, they're they're both like, you know, lower end R, RB2s for, for this week. But uh, I I think Mixon just in the uh, you're not, not even talking about the system so much, but I, I, I think. You know, that, that touchdown kind of tiebreaker, I think, is what, is what gives me the lean uh, towards Mixon because I, I think Tennessee will ultimately give uh, Cincinnati enough short fields to where Mixon can take advantage. Um, speaking of that game, let's, let's, uh, let's hit it. Uh, we've got the Bengals two-point favorites on the road at Tennessee. So I, I think the Bengals' role here, uh, like you said, the short fields should be there. Uh, the Tennessee offensive line is woded. They're going to get rocked by Trey Hendrickson. Uh, everybody basically is going to hit Ryan Tannehill and kick him when he's on the ground. And there's nothing that the Titans can do about it. So granted, Joe Burrow, not himself right now. The Bengals offense looks all kinds of screwed up. But however bad the Bengals offense can be, in my opinion, is not as bad as the Titans offense will tend to be all year. So I'll say Bengals and I kind of like them to just i don't know run away with it really yeah i think the 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 defense the defense versus offensive line mismatch in this I gotta one say, John, the Bengals. we hate to see this the bet the whole public pretty much agrees with us and that line is not moving one bit oh boy uh hold the line brothers uh that yeah that that makes me feel icky but uh, even there's still some, there's some trap here and we can't see it but we're gonna walk right at it anyway Oh no! It, <laughs> you're Bengals right. by the, twenty. It's, it's the, okay. The, this is the one time that rich guy is going to be wrong. The the die has been cast. This is already a, a foregone conclusion. Raiders, Chargers, Chargers five and a half point favorites. Over under sitting at forty eight and a half. We are seeing the Chargers drawing sixty two percent of the money on the spread. Uh, the Chargers. Let's uh, let's. I, I got into a bit of a, a spirited uh, discussion with uh, with our buddy Kev Masurgeon, uh last night on on Twitter. Um, you know, did, talking about the the merits of either Josh Palmer or Quentin Johnston. I have a ton more Quentin Johnston in best ball, um, but at the same time, and I have like no Palmer. Period. But I felt like Palmer was a worthwhile add this week. Um, I, oh, yeah. I think at least in the short term, like I think Quentin Johnson by like November or something will, will 
pretty solidly be like the the second target, hopefully in the in this offense, maybe third. Um, but you know, definitely like having that fantasy viable role. But I think for this short term, Palmer seems to just be running ahead. Yeah, uh, I don't think Palmer's any good, and I do think Johnston's good, but I think the Chargers. I'll blame Staley. I mean, it, it looks like the same show as the last two years with Joe Lombardi, even though Kellen Moore is supposed to be in charge. I don't know if I really see it. And one way I think we can figure Staley's got his hands on the offense, too, is is this obsession with guys like Palmer and Joshua Kelly. I mean, I don't know how you like those guys as an offensive coach. You know, it's like you'd, you'd, you'd have to be you'd have to be out of your mind or a more so defensive coach like Staley, maybe. And uh, he 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 just prioritizes the wrong traits all the time in players on offense. And Palmer, uh, you know, he had the touchdown last week, but it was just because the tipped pass. So he doesn't get open, doesn't do anything after the catch. They love him anyway. I have no idea why, but he's not as good as Johnston. And if they think otherwise in the meantime, it's only because they don't know who either player is and they're not using them uh, in a way that uh, – adapts to their abilities at all and particularly when they just have this 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 just urgent need for a downfield threat i don't understand why we don't have johnston just running some fly routes and going to him just to just to make the defense run a little you know just to make them turn and run a couple times and it's just too much to ask it's like you get more josh palmer when you ask for that you, get, you want that oh you get more josh palmer you get more uh just eight yard like curls it's it just never ends so uh, whatever. Anyway, I think Justin Herbert is going to have a really good year. Uh, it's, it sucks that Mike Williams is out, not for the least of which uh, reasons being that I have a ton of Mike Williams. Uh, he might be like my third most <laughs> drafted player behind who, John? Nick Chubb. And uh, Nick Chubb Dobbins. and Jacob Dobbins. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> so, we are we are cut from the same cloth. And boy, uh, uh, the injury bug is as been brutal for for us this year so yeah i I still think herbert's gonna have a really good year and so palmer will kind of just go along for the ride if so and uh yeah i I agree palmer i think palmer could if cooper cup comes back i can see palmer finishing the year with numbers like about as useful as puka nakua you know as far as you know in-season fab uh pickups go so I, I was comfortable going like 20% of my bad budget on, on Palmer. Um, I wasn't quite ready to go up to 25. That that usually was going to be enough to, to get him. Um, you know, wa- waiver leagues, totally different story, but that, that just kind of shows the, the level of confidence. Like de- definitely a believer that he can be a contributor for this next little bit, but definitely not someone that I was pushing uh, all my chips to the middle of the, of the table for. Right. Um, Tyler, Tyler is chiming in uh, again. Thank you, Tyler. Oh, hey, Tyler. Um, so keeping in mind, uh, talking about uh, the Lions uh, Packers matchup for, for Thursday night, um, Jair Alexander versus Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, what's your read on that matchup? Well, like Tyler says, uh, it looks like Jair is going to play at least he was out last week, but I would be pretty surprised if Alexander covers St. Brown much at all. I, uh, it seems like the Packers are using Jair more this year for shadowing assignments, but that uh, it, that's to say they're using him like Tredavious White gets used with the Bills, and they'll they'll tr- track a receiver, yes, but not into the slot, or at least to this point he hasn't really. So we'll see. I, I think Jair can play the slot. I just don't know if the Packers' scheme 
uh, has like a play package for it. So we'll see, but it, it, it would be good for St. Brown if Jair stays out of the slot, not just for the obvious reason that Jair is a tough cover, but if Jair is a cuff, tough, uh, <laughs> tough cover on an outside receiver, that makes the funnel that much more towards St. Brown. So uh, yeah, we, we got to hope the Packers keep Jair outside. Yes. And, and I, I think St. Brown will, will have an, a nice game either way, but um, yeah. it, I, we'll, we'll see if he draws that, that shadow assignment, but I, I think you had some good data to, to support the claim that, that maybe Jair isn't going to be solely responsible for one Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, but rounding it out on, on the Chargers Raiders game. Um, what do you make of this Raiders offense, especially it being as it inept as it is in the run game? Um, as, as it has been, but do you think against this Chargers team that maybe, maybe Josh Jacobs gets going? Yeah, Jacobs should get going. I, I don't think he's the problem at all. And I, I don't think the offensive, I guess I haven't watched the offensive line closely, but I don't know why the offensive line would be the problem either. I think it's just McDaniels and the whole, the whole operation is just kind of the problem. And it, man, it was driving me crazy. I, d- I didn't pay close attention to this until last week because I I never really cared about Hunter Renfro, and I, I still don't. But, man, you can tell Josh McDaniels has nothing but contempt for Hunter Renfro and no sincere intention of using him at all because they're putting him on the field to run go routes. They're, they're having Hunter Renfro run go routes to give Jacoby Myers and Devonta Adams more room underneath. I, Al I Davis is rolling in his grave. Yeah, I, my God, he runs like a four, five, eight at, you know, 175 pounds. Should be Jacoby Ford doing that. It should be. It should be like almost anybody else. It's just, it's, it's wild that they gave him that extension and they're using him in that completely disingenuous way. Just so his boy, just so Josh McDaniels, his boys can, can get the ball instead. It's crazy, but uh, Raiders are doomed. They're not going anywhere. Good. Uh, charges aren't exactly convincing to me, but yeah, the, the five and a half, the six, those are the kinds of numbers I was thinking too, and I'm not really inclined to take the Raiders. Yeah, I'm a, I'm on the Chargers here. It's it's mostly just a, a bet against uh, the the Raiders more than me like feeling great about uh, backing uh, any sort of outfit that is uh, run by one Brandon Staley. We got Cowboys. And we have Patriots. We got the Cowboys checking in as six and a half point favorites in this one. Uh, found some interesting stats for, for this one as far as betting trends are concerned. Uh, Dallas nine and one against the spread coming off of a loss since 2021. And New England is five and 12 against the spread as a dog in that same sample. Can't claim to know uh, what any of those things mean. Or, I mean, I know what they what you're saying to me. I just don't. I can't grasp what went into all those outcomes and what it means for this game. When I look at these teams, I guess I got, as always, got to pull up the Patriots injury report, see which 30 players are on it this week. Uh, oh, there's only five. Uh, Jonathan Jones, that would be big if he could play. Christian Barmore, Devon Godchow pretty much need to be out there for the Patriots. So if they are, you know, they're, they're still in it, I think, uh, which is, yeah, that's, that's where I'm, I'm leaning on the Patriots is like they're in it. And I feel like the spread kind of doesn't suppose that's true. That's the spread kind of dismisses the Patriots. And man, if only for the question of Dak Prescott, who I like, I don't think Dak Prescott's a bad quarterback. I think he's like 
I don't know, the 10th or 12th best quarterback or something like that. But he has limitations. There are, there are reasons why he's not the fifth or sixth best quarterback. And he just kind of gets tricked sometimes, or he, he, he tricks himself into making bad decisions. And if, if you're the kind of quarterback who sometimes does, uh, who, who sometimes misreads the defense dealing with Belichick and this personnel that he has on defense this year is kind of a nightmare scenario. So I'm not exactly expecting the Patriots to do well on offense. Although I don't know. I, I wouldn't be shocked if, if they stick with the ground game, their offensive line is healthier than it's been all year. They were missing like five of their top seven guys as recently as two weeks ago. It seems like they're all back now. So the Patriots might be able to run the ball. And if they stick with it, I think they can. So uh, that's how I think they got to do it. But they, yeah, the defense needs to step up, of course, for them. And I, I just am kind of optimistic that they will because I, I still believe the Patriots defense is extremely good. It just kind of their season's been bumpy as a as an overall team. I do too. I just I'm not sure that it totally railroads the Dallas offense the way that I think Dallas's defense is going to railroad the Patriots offense. The Dallas offensive line is a lot more beat up than the Patriots one at this point. I mean, we'll see with uh, Beatish, Martin, Tyron Smith, uh, what they do with practice today and tomorrow. But they were all out Wednesday, whereas all the Patriots guys are getting in. So I, I don't know, man. I, I uh, if I had to pick a side, I would pick. The cow, uh, the Cowboys, but I don't want to pick them to cover personally. Okay, all right, fair enough. I'm, I am on the Cowboys here. I, I, I like the way those trends are, are setting up, and um, I like to uh, fade Mac Jones. So that uh, those are the the pillars of my rationale. Not the uh, most for, likable fellow. Uh, nay, um, hidden hidden Sauce Gardner below the belt. He's a he's the Grayson Allen. Uh, of the NFL. It's uh, I'm glad that Grayson Allen, Allen is no longer is in, uh, in Milwaukee. Yeah. He, he's an oh, he is. puncher. I thought he was like a, tr- I didn't know if he was like a tripper kind of, he, he trips and then cries uh, when <laughs> someone, yeah, it's a very, some weird, weird stuff going on with him. They got to do, uh, they got to do like a, they got to do some kind of duo thing together. <laughs> that, Grayson and Mac <laughs> Jones. I mean, for, um, for Healy's, like the the shoes with the uh, with the wheels in them, because uh, they're both heels. Oh, um, nice! Yeah, there you go. So that that's or like that's Gatorade, and it's just like the game is you you just try to trip your opponents until you win. <laughs> it, it, is it in you to, to trip yeah. somebody? Absolutely, it is. <laughs> um, let's uh, let's go. We got three more games to to hit. Um, Fourteen point spread in this one largest of the season we got the 49ers playing host to the cardinals cardinals have any chance of covering this one no uh dallas clearly got caught looking ahead a week last week and not to take all the credit away from the cardinals but i'll i'll do it anyway yes they uh they're still really bad and the 49ers uh their defense makes games like this easy for them yeah, I, I think that, yeah, the Niners are a wagon. To, to me, they are the best team in the NFL right now. I don't see them slowing down. I, I think, you know, especially if they get Brandon Ayuk back, they're, they're so multiple on, on offense. Um, so they're going to be able to, you know, have success no matter how they want to do it, that they'll be able to. And then defensively, I think that they're just going to smother um, Josh Dobbs and company. So I, I like the the Niners even with uh, that hefty spread. Um Chiefs, Jets, 
Sunday night, more Jets on national TV. We get Jets mm-hmm. and Giants on national TV this week. What happened? Um, it's better well, like, than I, we know Kenny, what happened with the Jets, but it's better than Kenny primetime, primetime Kenny. Uh, it's still bad, but I'm maybe that's why we get primetime Kenny so many times so that when we get uh primetime zach wilson uh, we're kind of we're not so bent out of shape about it i don't know but yeah this this um it's a weird game because i still feel like the chiefs offense looks all screwed up Same. and i don't i don't know what is supposed to give i think they could just make themselves a lot better by giving rasheed rice uh like a 55 60 snap workload i don't understand th- I'll go ahead and say whatever reason Andy Reid thinks he has for managing Rishi Rice's playtime that way is just a crap made up reason. Like you just put him on the field and leave him there. It'll work itself out because he's good. And your other receivers, I mean, I think, I think more is okay. And I think, you know, Valdez Scantling, he serves a structural function, but it's just ridiculous. Like stop the Tony thing. uh, Stop the Justin Watson thing. Put Rasheed Rice on the field. Look at his target rate per snap. They need that yardage that he's getting, and they're putting him back on the bench and, and getting duds instead. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense. They got to start feeding him and keep him in the field. Yeah, I'm I'm all about that. Um, you, you definitely correctly identified Rasheed Rice as a potential, you know, not day one receiver that that can be a contributor um, as a rookie. And yeah, the the rest of that receiving personnel is is. It's not great. I mean, so Travis Kelsey has to do a lot, a lot of the heavy lifting there. Um, what do you think of, of the spread here? Do you, do you think that the the Jets, the the defensive talent is obviously there, and the, and the Chiefs, their offense isn't clicking? But if the Jets give me the Jets, John, there, yeah, nine and a half to cover, to cover, to cover. Yeah, uh, but uh, not, I, I, not an easy decision. I'm kind of joking, of course, but I do like the idea of ten points. You know, the, the Chiefs being on the road. I think that Jets defense is going to give Pat Mahomes plenty of trouble. I mean, Mahomes has had trouble against weak defenses this year. So why would he? It's possible he is Mahomes. He's inevitable. He's he's going to get back to that level eventually. I just don't know why it would be this game particularly. And if the Jets have, I don't know, the discipline, the focus necessary to just stick with the ground, uh, with Brees Hall specifically in the ground game, I bet. I don't know if if you give Brees Hall 15 carries against this defense, I I kind of like the Jets' chances of making the Chiefs you know squirm a little. Yeah, I, I can I can definitely see that. I, I think that basically it all comes down to what, like what level of disaster is Zach Wilson uh, on Sunday night? <laughs> Pretty bad, and I do think that Chiefs' defense is good, or at least you know better than most people assume. I just think you can hide Wilson if it, with a player as good as Hall. You know, you can you can at once hide the quarterback and actually move the ball. And I think, uh, yeah, if, if they get Hall 15 carries, I think they cover <laughs> high high aspirations. There we go. I like it. I like it. Some, some concrete uh, prediction there. Um, let's round it out. Seahawks, Giants. I'm not really getting why the Giants are favored here. I mean, I, I know they're at home. But it's it's Monday night, so like you're not as worried about the West Coast body clock uh, penalty for for Seattle. Seattle, I think, is the is the better team. I know the Giants are also off that mini buy um, at this point, having just played uh, last Thursday. 
maybe they get Saquon back. Maybe they get Andrew Thomas back. Maybe Evan Neal is, is good to go. But even so, even at full strength, I, I, I think I'm out on the Giants. The Seahawks defense has been incredibly bad, and I haven't had a chance to look closely at the individual culprits, but I feel like this this Witherspoon pick must have been a bad idea in addition to pretty much everything else they're doing right now. Uh, everybody is just getting olayed. They, they, when, you, when you go against the Seahawks, they just let you go with the football. They, they say, here, take it, go. And I think uh, even Danny... Even dang Danny Dimes uh, might have, uh, what is it, like 230 yards passing or something Yay. in this game, which might be a season high for him. Uh, he'll, he'll you know, run for another 40 or 50, uh, like Woody from Toy Story falling down stairs, uh, as he always does. I do think the Seahawks win. I, I can't tell what I expect of the Giants defense, especially over the course of the year. Like the, the Giants defense hasn't been good so far, but they might improve over the course of the year because they've had some turnover in the secondary and it's two rookie corners playing a lot in the secondary. Uh, those guys sometimes get better over the course of the year. But right now, I feel like those Seahawks re- receivers should pretty much run free. Yeah, I think that the Giants defense has been a big regression spot for, for them. And, you know, it wasn't totally their fault the the week one game against the Cowboys. There was a bunch of stuff that the offense and special teams were contributing on, on that blowout loss. Um, but, you know, getting the ball moved on them the way it did it against Arizona and then, you know, the, the 49ers did what, what they did, of course. Um, that there's still some things to, to figure out. So, I mean, that, there's a reason why Wink Martindale got left let go in Baltimore. I mean, it, his, like – uber aggressive blitzing style it 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 can work but it there's a risk to it and uh when the risk uh comes in instead of the reward you know we we see the results that we've gotten from from the giants thus far yeah uh again i have to kind of do the jared goff disclaimer thing with danny but i'll take the seahawks all right let's seahawks uh, i'm seeing it as well so i like them to to cover and, and win obviously just one point underdogs in this one. All right, Mario, that is going to do it for us. Thanks to all of our listeners chiming in, uh, in the chat on, on YouTube, uh, for our audio listeners, uh, apologies for my cup choice last week, metal cup, ice cubes in it made for some (laughs) bad background noise. We, we fixed the cup issue, no ice in sight and, uh, both cups, either ceramic or plastic today. We have removed the cup and replaced it with my mouth breathing to put you all at ease. Yes. And, and uh, all right, here's hoping that the noise reduction filter uh, will get some of my mouth breathing out of this one. Uh, but for Mario Puig, I'm John McTechney. Thanks for listening. Try RotoWire today, free for 10 days. Get our premium tools, rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try.